okay, I brought something to our podcast today. I know. I'm looking at it, and I'm being very tempted. Well, it is still a week before Lent begins. This is your chance. I know. Well, here's the problem. There were... There were a box of Thin Mints sitting out all weekend back here in the offices. So, uh, but blame Marla for that. She gave it to me after the five o'clock mass, and she said, "Father Herb, this oh. is not just for you. This is for the staff." So that was nice. Of I her. put it on the box. Well, I, I put my, it on the table. I did my part. But what I did this morning, folks out there, hello, this is Father Herb. That's Michael. Hello. And I brought a box of Girl Scout cookies to our podcast. This, there's a box of tagalongs sitting here, and we we made a discovery. We did. This we did. is good. This is, this is a first. Breaking news. Are you ready? My favorite Girl Scout cookie is Tagalong. And my favorite Girl Scout cookie is Tagalong. And that has never happened before that we agreed on any likes or dislikes. No. <laughs> it's really true. And I said my, my close second is the Samoas. They just are so that's good. Like, that's like third for me. I like the shortbread, whatever that one is called. Oh, those would go well with coffee. Yes, yeah. that's it. Everything goes well with coffee. So, But the Tagalongs really... It's a crispy cookie layered with peanut butter and covered with a chocolatey coating. And I I, do, I eat them because I think of Reese's. And oh oh yeah, I do like Reese's. That's Reese cup. And yeah. the picture here on the box, it's all kids playing music. I mean, it's really meant. It's the cookie meant for me. Look, there's Haydn, Beethoven, Schubert, all in the background on the wall. And I'm sure they all ate. It's the music. Tagalongs. <laughs> they did. We're we're joining the ranks of the great musical composers yeah. of the world. In case you tuned into this podcast thinking that we were going to talk about parish activities and or the scriptures. Wrong. No, we are. <laughs> and Girl Scout th- cookie time. It, no, you can even Girl Scout cookie time can gets be. Uh, no, not gets old. Never gets old. Oh. It, but it gives way to something like the scriptures. <laughs> That's a stretch. Hey, how was your vacation? My vacation was good. It was very relaxing. Uh, I, I enjoyed you know what? The temperature was between 78 and 82. Nice. Sun most days. But what I really appreciated, by the way, I was in the Florida Keys. Mm-hmm. What I appreciated most was green. Mm. Green leaves on trees, green right. grass, green, green. It's just so refreshing. You get so tired of drab. It's coming. Green is coming. In fact, this Saturday I was, I was excited because as I was driving home, both Saturday night and Sunday night, I could still see some color on the horizon. Oh, I noticed that at the 5.30 mass on Sunday that it was still light. Yeah, Yeah. so it's coming. It's coming. And so is Lent. Lent begins on Wednesday, uh, the 26th. So uh, this is the final Sunday before Lent, and we are calling it the seventh Sunday of Ordinary Time. (laughs) It's a really unique, unique name we came up with. Before Vatican II, the last two Sundays before Lent had names. Oh, they did? Yes. Uh, one was Quadragesimo Sunday and Quinquagesimo Sunday. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, which means uh, 40 days out, 50 days out. I think the Quin- maybe it wasn't Quadragesimo because that's 40, but Quinquagesimo, I, I know for sure. Mm-hmm. But it was basically saying, even before Lent, we're already anticipating Easter. And we're getting ready for Lent. So the last couple Sundays had special names. I didn't know that. Well, there's a lot you don't know. Thank you. I'm sorry. I I mean, you know most things. There's a few things you're still learning. You're so kind. Okay, I'm going to throw something at you right now. Here is a passage. Okay. Are you ready? (laughs) What a segue. Yes. Go ahead. What you know and what you don't know. Leviticus, Uh chapter 24, verse 20. 
Yeah. Do you know that? Leviticus chapter 24, verse 20. I can look it up, but I don't know it off the top of my head. Well, I hope people out there hear it and are tempted to look it up real fast. Fracture an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Exactly. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same. All right. Okay, stop right there. We're, we are still in the Sermon on the Mount. We're still in chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel. Yeah. And last week we had the thing you have heard, you shall not kill, but I tell you don't even have anger. Mm-hmm. You should not commit adultery, but I tell you don't even lust. Mm-hmm. You've, you've heard no false oaths, but I say don't swear at all. Right. It continues, and it starts with Jesus saying, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He's quoting very directly from Leviticus 24, 20. Mm-hmm. But then Jesus goes on to say, But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on the one who wants to borrow. Now, that's the first half of the gospel reading this week. We'll get to the second in a, a second half in a few minutes. Okay. But let's stay with that first one. So Jesus is taking a line directly from the book of Leviticus. This is in the Torah. Uh, this is uh, part of the Pentateuch. And everybody in the crowd would have known this. Sure. Because this is the core of the Hebrew scripture. Mm-hmm. And remember the gospel of Matthew. Jesus is talking to people of Jewish background. Right. So he says, you've heard, for the, you've heard this, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, I've talked to rabbis as well as scripture scholars who say the real intent of this, even in Leviticus, is not just get even, mm-hmm. an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It really means only an eye for an eye and only a tooth for a tooth. In other words, if somebody harms you, the punishment cannot be out of proportion to the crime. Got it. Which is major. I mean, that's that is civilization in itself to go, uh, to go into a sense of justice. Mm-hmm. So Jesus takes something that already is kind of a progressive understanding, mm-hmm. and then he moves it completely off the charts, and he says, "Don't even do that. Turn and offer the other cheek." Which that's a very famous little line from scripture as well. Yeah, but people don't remember that. They just said eye for an eye, tooth for an eye. There was a time, uh, probably about 15, 20 years ago, and it was over about a period of five five or six years, I gave a lot of talks about the death penalty mm-hmm. around the state of Ohio. Different, different groups invited me. Some were religious groups, some were not. And I, of course, have always been opposing the death penalty in this state. And I was always well-received. People were very good. But invariably, someone in the crowd would say, but doesn't, didn't Jesus say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? And then you got and excited. I, al- I always wanted to say, and I was pretty kind to people, but I wanted to say, did you ever really read the passage? Right. Jesus says, you have heard an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, no. Right. <laughs> no, that is not what we want. So he's really calling us to something greater. And once I told people that, it's like, oh, so I have to forgive? (laughs) It's a novel concept. Yeah, I have to be bigger. Um, Let me tell you, 
lots of people would change their minds about death penalty. Now, to oppose the death penalty does not mean to oppose punishment, nor does it mean, oh, we should just let everybody out on the streets. No, you continue to protect society, but you don't have to extract a life to protect somebody. Right. So, but the rest of the part that I just read is really very powerful when Jesus says, okay, turn the other cheek, but then, again, don't be a minimalist. If somebody wants to go to law over your tunic, hand them your cloak as well. Uh, It's like, why do we worry so much about ourselves? Or if you want to make me carry your your bundle of stuff. My Girl Scout cookies. uh, For one mile. Yeah. (laughs) I'll carry it two miles. Because you'll eat them. Yeah, it gets, it gets lighter as you go. <laughs> By the way, I was backpacking with somebody, and, and that's what they always say. Uh, it, you get tired the more you go, but the backpack gets lighter as you go. Because you're taking things out? No, you're eating. Oh, because you're eating. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess you are taking things yeah, out. Yeah, you are taking things out. But it, it's still going inside of you, so you're still carrying the weight. Oh, no, it doesn't work that it's way. It's just not on your back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so how many times do we feel as though... Um, you know, we, we deserve to protect ourselves or, you know, it's, it's all about us. And Jesus is saying the exact opposite over here. It's, it's, it's um, overflowing with generosity in some ways, you know, I, as you read it, it's almost like you, you want to almost defend what Jesus is saying and say, well, I don't want to be a pushover. Well, people say that I, I actually remember a kid in grade school, probably about second grade. He told me the advice his dad gave to him before he went to school was if somebody on the playground, one of the other kids hits you on the playground, you hit him hard, you hit him back harder. Mm. And I, I felt so sorry for that kid because I think the kid kind of knew that just didn't sound right. Yeah. And it was not in keeping with everything else he was learning. I suspect the dad was trying to say, I don't want my kid to be a pushover, a wimp. Right. But I would have probably said, if somebody hits you on the playground, well, first of all, I'd probably say duck. But uh, (laughs) if somebody hits you on the playground, I would probably say, uh, go get out of that situation. Or if necessary, report it, which is kind of hard to do. But I would simply say, you know, don't don't hang around the kid. I love the next line, too. Should anyone press you into service for one mile? Go for two miles. I think I'm going to post that in the office of all the staff members here. <laughs> if, if your pastor asks you to do one favor, do two. There's only seven days in a week. <laughs> if, you're, if your boss asks you to work seven days a week, work eight. <laughs> yeah. But, well, it worked for the Beatles, eight days a week. <laughs> <laughs> and look how well they were. Um, but, you know, it's this, this spirit of generosity um, that, you know, I want to get behind, and I wish that I could adhere better to that. You know, it's never, it's not doing just the bare minimum for others, you know, check off the, well, I did a nice thing for someone, but it's that everything that we do is an extension of being Jesus in the world. And it, it takes something inside you. I think you sort of have to be willing to lose yourself. You know, not when they talk about don't count the cost. For me, it's not usually cost in terms of money, Yeah, but it might be cost in terms of time. Sure. I remember Bishop Huffman once said, when somebody would make an appointment with him, and he's not talking about somebody from a parish, but maybe uh, a community leader, 
He said, they're usually asking either for my time or my finances. Mm -hmm. And I have learned over the years between time and finances, people are more generous with finances than with time. Mm. People feel so limited in time and you cannot get more than 24 hours a day. Right Now, of course, we're very uh, lax in terms of how we use all of our time. Sure. There's a lot of wasted time. You know, you sit around and listen to a podcast or something like that. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, don't just sit around. You're listening while you're doing something else. Sure. Right? Driving. And sleeping. <laughs> yeah. You listen when you go to bed. Right. You we never put, get never get to the end of the 23 minutes. We put people to sleep. That's fine. Yeah. They're used to it. Um, but yeah, it's it's this whole idea of, you know, what what am I giving my time to? What, you know, we we give priority to what is important to us in our time. And we always have to make decisions. There's two or three good things that anybody could do, be doing at any one time. Mm-hmm. And you have to decide. And we can't do all three of them. Now, sometimes bosses do expect that, but you can't. Um, I'm going to ask you right now sure. to read the second half of the gospel passage because it's one more of these things where Jesus says, you have heard. Are you ready? I'm ready. He- here's Michael. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father, for he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. That last line, be perfect. No no, no difficulty. Right. right. No, thanks, Jesus. Well, the, you know, it's really uh, hard to take that. I mean, it's good to take it to heart. Yeah. But we're not going to reach it. We're not going to be perfect. But well, it's we, like a challenge. Right. But go back to the first part. Uh, you have heard, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I was able to look up, you shall... You, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Mm-hmm. Leviticus 2024. 20, 20, yes, okay. So I tried to look up, uh, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, and I discovered it's not there. Dun, dun, dun. It, it, so there is no one place in Leviticus where it says that. Okay. However, what it does say is uh, love your, your neighbor. And by neighbor, they don't mean just the person who lives next to you. Yeah. It means members of of your own tribe. And I use the word tribe in the sense of like your own nation, your own gang, your own group of people, your own community and, and see the others as the outsiders. Mm. So again, Jesus is saying, let's get rid of tribalism. And I, again, I'm not talking about literal, literal tribes. I'm talking about the groupings. It's like like survivor. Well, we, yeah, we live in worlds of uh, us and them. Yeah. And it's so easy to say, uh, oh, sure, I'll be good to the people on my my team. What about the other team? Mm. I I love sometimes going to basketball games, especially at high school. Nowadays with the AAU, a lot of the kids get to know each other during the summer. They And the rule there is when you play on teams, you can't have, like, say, the same high school become an AAU team. 
they have to mix with kids from other teams. Okay. There, there's a limit of how many can be on a team from one school. So they get to play with others and they get to know each other. And consequently, you can have a hard-fought basketball game and the kids really put their hearts into it. But then they maybe after the game go over and hug the, the players from the other team. You know, that reminds me a little bit of the beginning of this parish. You know, that we had so many people coming from different parishes or different experiences of life. You know, as we were starting church, uh, it was kind of that way, that everybody was kind of bringing different things to the table that really built this parish up to be what it is today. Well, that's definitely the strength. This is the confusing thing in the world. People feel a group is strong if it's more homogenous, like everybody's the same, same yeah. background, same politi- political points of view, same religion. The truth is the healthy groups are heterogeneous. Mm. They're, they're, they're mixed. They're, we're always healthier when we come from different backgrounds and different viewpoints. Sure, It's, it's count, kind of counterintuitive, yeah. but that's where the strength is. I always want to remind myself of that too. You know, Now that we're 15 years in, it's easy to say, or think about that we've just been around now, but that, you know, even take, for example, the beautiful image of when we blessed this land for the initial construction of the Parish Life Center, that everybody brought dirt. From I, I, we better explain that. I don't think everybody knows that. Well, I, I was just explaining. I, mean, I was, I was going to back up and say, <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. So when, when we blessed the land, everybody brought dirt from their homes and it was put into a wheelbarrow at Perrysburg High School. Then you, you can keep going. And then we took the wheelbarrow. We did this outside of the high school, not in the school. Yeah, there was no dirt in the school. Oh. Well, not that kind of dirt. Okay, we, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we brought the wheelbarrow, and we wheeled it out of the high school parking lot. Yep. We could not wheel it all the way over here to the new ground. No. By the way, we could not bless the land because there was no access to the land. So we put the wheelbarrow, we wheeled it right into the back of a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. And then we drove over here. We were able to park the pickup truck at the edge of the field. And, uh, oh, I, I think two or three carloads of people came over. And we brought the wheelbarrow back out onto the field. It had been a cornfield. Yeah. We had a shovel. And people took turns with the shovel, scattering the ground, right. the, the dirt. So from all of these different people's homes, that dirt is, well, unless it got dug up when we built the church, it's... <laughs> It'll be here forever. You know, no, this this was out in the front yard. So yeah. I, yes, I, um, I, I went, I visited the dirt that I brought. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he used to call me. But, you know, you know, we can continue to expand that image, whether it's the parish prayer garden, people bringing in plants from their own, from their own yards. But I think the image that's really beautiful is that we do that every time we come and gather for mass. Yeah. That we all bring our, our hopes, our dreams, our fears, our anxieties our baggage. <laughs> yes. And and we bring that to mass and we set it before the altar and we say, Lord, I'm yours. And, and Lord, make us your people, not just make me your person. Yeah. Make us your people. Right. And we are solid because of many though we are, we are one body. Yeah. So be perfect. As your heavenly father is perfect. I love that call, you know, that continual call to holiness, to sainthood that we always think, well, you know, sainthood is for, Teresa of Calcutta for, for saints or for, yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but you know, that, we're, that we were all called to be saints. I saw a great little, um, infographic the other day on social media 
that it's just a humble reminder. You know, it says Jesus won't care how much is in your 401k. He won't care how many travel teams your kids played on. He won't care, you know, all of these things, but he will care how much you love him and how much you loved his people. Um, and it's just a great reminder that yes, you know, in life, busyness can get in the way and there are lots of great things that we do, but at the end of the day, that's that call to sainthood, that call to holiness, to love our neighbor and to love your neighbor. And I I do want to make sure that we say one more thing about this particular passage about love your enemy, because it's been in the news going back several weeks. Now, the question of, do you pray for somebody in the other political party? Mm. You know, do you pray for somebody that you oppose? And the answer from the scripture says, yes, we, we do have not only a responsibility, but it's, it's, you pray for the other person for two reasons. You ask God to bless the other person, but by praying for them, it also changes you. Yeah. Not necessarily change you to suddenly agree with them, but it changes your heart so you don't have animosity, so you don't have hatred. It. This is picking up off of last week when Jesus says, you've heard you shall not kill. I say don't even get angry or don't have hatred in your heart. Yeah. So yes, we do have to pray for each other and we have to reach out beyond would-be boundaries. And when I say boundary, I think I'm thinking of all those kinds of boundaries we establish, the us and them, yeah. you know, the, the person who is different from, for whatever reason. Sure. Maybe different, uh, different nationality, different attitude, different flavor, different color of uh, hair, whatever it might be. You know, it's it's interesting because it's almost as if, you know, if you see a flag go up in your mind that says, "I don't, I want to stay away from this person," is probably an indicator that says, "I need to move closer and figure out why." Okay, well, that's a good thought to leave with people. Great, I'm glad I said it. And you, we still have a couple of cookies left. Actually, I didn't even have one yet. Okay, well, you we're can't, gonna start you can't talk with your mouth full. <laughs> hey, everybody, have a great week. We'll see you this weekend for Mass. One more Alleluia, one more Gloria. And then we go into wonderful, healthy, beautiful Lent. We'll see you.